Let us pray. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our fear and enter in. Be born, be born, be born in us today. Amen. I never, ever thought my life would be turning out this way. Is there anyone here who has never thought these words? (laughs) I never, ever thought my life would be turning out this way. I mean, maybe you're a parent sitting here this morning completely overwhelmed by the challenges of parenting. Maybe you're a kid sitting here today overwhelmed by your parents. I won't ask anybody to raise hands. Maybe you're facing a loss or a health crisis that you never, ever imagined. Maybe you're a teacher overwhelmed by the challenges of teaching. Or a young person yearning for friends who are really friends. Maybe you've tried to do your very best at work and still everything fell apart. Or maybe you're Joseph of Nazareth. On the disastrous day when he learns that his fiancée is expecting, I never, ever thought my life would be turning out this way. So this morning I'd like to take some time to revisit with you this very familiar story and to imagine what this disruptive news must have really meant for Joseph. An exhausted Joseph collapses in bed. He's a carpenter in Nazareth, a poor working man who puts food on his table by making tables. He's a steady, careful thinker who goes over things this way and that way, this way and that way, like he does when he's sanding a tabletop. And after this afternoon's shocking news, that's exactly what he's been doing ever since. And lying in bed tonight, Joseph marvels how things that began so very well have now ended so completely disastrously. I mean, just a few months ago, He went to visit the family of a young woman named Mary. And as was the ancient custom, Joseph, though poor, still arrived with a small sum of money that he'd been carefully saving for years. 
he also brought along some really special gifts for Mary's father. This is a patriarchal culture, after all. Dried fish from Caesarea, dates from Jericho, and some special wine from Tiberias. The meeting, the family meeting went well, swimmingly. Mary's father already knew about Joseph's reputation for honesty and hard work and devotion to God, and he was also really pleased with the gifts. And so, the 14-year-old Mary, 14-year-old Mary, was promised to the older Joseph. And their wedding date was set for a year later. And in the eyes of the whole community now, they are already regarded as married. But all these careful plans were shattered when Joseph heard three disastrous words. Mary is pregnant. He heard them in his shop today from the friend of her family. Well, how can that be, Joseph blurted out. I've only been with her once and her whole family was sitting there with us. And lying there in bed now, Joseph suddenly realizes he needs to act quickly before all 400 people in Nazareth are gossiping about Mary's growing belly. What should he do about her adultery? Should he follow Scripture? What Deuteronomy 22 clearly prescribes that should be done for an unfaithful bride? Should he take Mary to the entrance of her father's house and have her stoned? No. Should he publicly expose Mary to save his own good name? No. Should he go to Mary's family tomorrow and quietly insist on a divorce? Yes. And with his mind now made up, Joseph falls into a restless sleep. A few hours later, Joseph wakes up with his heart in his throat and suddenly he remembers that strange, strange dream. You ever had some of these strange, strange dreams? But this one is of an angel saying to him, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And you are to name him Jesus. 
Now Joseph goes over his dream now this way and that way. Could this before wedlock pregnancy, this moral outrage, actually be a holy disruption from God? And if so, what does God require? And if so, what does love require? Getting out of bed now, Joseph chooses, friends, he chooses to do something eternally significant. He trusts his inner experience of God and flows with God. Flows with God. He disobeys Scripture in in order to obey God. Now the fascinating thing is that for Joseph, and we've all gone through this in our lives, Being righteous until now for Joseph has meant staying pure and refraining from evil only. And God knows if the world just did refrain from evil and tried to stay pure, we'd have a better world. But now, for Joseph... Being righteous means moving into the higher realm. The messier realm of loving action. Are you with me? It involves wrestling with the complexities of life. Listening, listening for the voice of God, and then joining the new and astonishing thing that God is doing. And I noticed he didn't go talk to his pastor first. Joseph, now sets aside his plans for divorce and takes Mary as his wife and her child as his son. And Joseph names him Jesus, which means God saves. God rescues. And dear friends, as we draw near to Christmas, Christmas, the great feast of the Incarnation, the feast of God coming to be with us, there's a powerful temptation for all of us to focus sentimentally on a sweet baby Jesus who is adorable but asks absolutely nothing of us.
There's a temptation to think that His incarnation was just a once-in-eternity event that came and went 2,000 years ago. And so, with this kind of mindset, we draw a complete and utter blank when we hear the question, what are we waiting for? Which is the theme of our Advent season. Friends, instead, God needs people who will offer our lives as spaces where Christ can be born in our time and our culture. In these unhinged times, God needs people who are making room in our lives for the beautiful life of God. And just like Joseph, Christ is born in us. The incarnation continues in us every time we ask what love requires. And open ourselves to the disruptive answer. Which invariably leads us to do justice. To love kindness. To risk what love requires. And to flow with God. If you haven't figured it out yet, no one's life ever turns out the way we think it will. Just ask Joseph. But just when he thought that his life had become a complete disaster, he becomes the earthly father of the Savior of our world. And though the Bible never says so, I believe that Joseph learns to love the life he has been given. That's our calling, folks. To love the life We've been given. And today, dear friends, the great drama of God's salvation story continues to unfold through other average Joes like you and me. Average Joes. And in these cruel and unhinged times, And these are cruel times. It may feel like our acts of loving kindness and justice won't ever amount to a hill of beans. That our lives are all just a series of random and meaningless events, but don't you believe it? 
Don't believe it. God has not created one of us whose life is not eternally valued and needed. You are needed by God. So friends, what are we waiting for this Advent season? For the incarnation to continue. And for Christ to be born in each of us again and again and again. Amen.